This podcast is powered by the leading at the top of your game development experience. If you would like to work with Karen and the shockingly different leadership team to up-level the leadership execution acumen within your organization, visit developingyourgame.com to find out more. I was faced with an existential crisis of after 20 years into this business, how do I make money? Welcome to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we equipped you to more effectively lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. Each week, we help you sharpen your leadership acumen by cracking open the playbooks of dynamic leaders who are doing big things in their professional endeavors. And now your host, leadership tactics and organizational development expert, Karen Farrell-Rhodes. Hey there, superstars. This is Karen, and welcome to today's episode. For those of us in the United States, the IRS tax man is constantly in our pockets every year. Wouldn't you agree? You know, we pray that we receive a tax refund, but if that's not the case, we pray again and dread the final verdict on how much we owe to the federal, state, and city governments in which we all live. You know, one of the rarely discussed but popular tax shelter tools of the ultra-wealthy are various types of financial trusts. And on today's show, I am truly honored to have Don Thornton, who's the CEO of HB Funding Incorporated, which is a real estate investment firm. Don has had such an interesting experience during the pandemic, which actually caused him to pivot to his deep knowledge on trust and capital gains taxes and use that knowledge to build a thriving consulting business. So be sure to listen as he gives us tips on how to keep more pennies in our pockets. And be sure to listen to my closing segment at the end called Karen's Take, where I share a tip on how to use the insights from today's episode to further your leadership acumen. And now, enjoy the show. Hello, superstars. This is Karen, and welcome to today's episode of the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. Now, today we have an extremely interesting topic on helping you be a stronger leader in your personal finance realm, which is a little bit different than some of the other topics we've featured recently. But we are super honored and excited to have uh, Don Thornton as a guest on our today's show. Don is the CEO of HP Funding which is a real estate investment firm. But he also had a very interesting experience during the pandemic, which he's going to share with us, where he was able to use his deep knowledge in another area of expertise to really radically pivot in his business. So welcome to the podcast, Don. We're so happy to have you. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation. This is awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, We can't wait to open that leadership playbook of yours, specifically in the financial realm. But before we get started, would love for you to share, as much as you feel comfortable, a little bit about your personal life and professional journey, like where you uh, were born and grew up, and then kind of uh, highlights of your, you know, professional career. Sure. Well, I had quite a journey. I tell you, Uh, I would say that if you wanted to put my life to a movie script, it would be just constant change. And although I'm not a military brat, I feel like in some ways I have the same attributes because we never had any stability 
in our home. I mean, in, in 12 years of high school, I went to 11 different high schools. So we were constantly moving. Uh, my father was a, you know, he worked for the Missouri Pacific Railroad and he got transferred to Omaha. We were in, we were in Arkansas, Texas, a lot, we still quite a while in Missouri. And then in the last uh, two years of Omaha, which was enough for me to get out and escape from the corn uh, as soon as I could. But, uh, you know, and even after that, I mean, I did, I did a year in Idaho. Then I went to Finland for two years and then I came back to, to uh, Utah and then I went to Russia which was supposed to just be a two-year journey that ended up being 20, <laughs> I guess. I mean, back and forth, not always there. But yeah, I mean, it's been a situation where I have no roots per se. And that's, but I mean, it just, I knew, I don't know what, it, I always felt like I was just an, an odd duck. I was always marching to the, to the beat of, I didn't even understand the journey, but I knew I was on a journey somewhere, okay? And there were certain things that stood out with me that drove me, even though I had no idea why. For one thing was I had a obsession an obsession to go to Russia and learn the language. No idea why. I mean, it was just one of those things. I mean, literally, when I was like 10 years old, I knew I wanted to go to Russia and learn the language. Back then, it was the Soviet Union. Who knew, right? It was like an unattainable, un- unattainable dream, and yet it happened. You know, so – and then it was also my dear mother who passed away. I mean, she constantly was telling me, get involved in real estate. Get involved in real estate. You will never be happy working for somebody. Real estate's where you need to go. And, you know, I did what most loving sons did. I did this. Okay, mom, whatever. You know, I have my own path. You know, at the time, I was going to be going to go into the State Department, diplomacy, government worker, and so forth. She says, you'll never be happy doing that. You'll never be happy doing that. And God bless her. She was right. She was absolutely right. I went to the embassy for two years in 89 when it was still the Soviet Union. When I left, it was... Russia, right? And then everything changed. And the first thing that changed was the fact that I discovered that Russian women are very, very beautiful. And second of all, uh, the embassy didn't like you to date them because <laughs> for security reasons. So, um, you know, as they say on Seinfeld, yada, 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 I ended up moving away from my uh, career in the State Department and was dumped into an entrepreneurial situation. I got married. So any kind of government work after that was over because I had no security clearance anymore. But there was so much opportunity in Russia. I just said, you know what? I'm going to start a business. I had no idea how to do a business, much less Russia. But it started my journey in Russia. You know, I, I got divorced, got remarried. And I eventually led me to Orlando, real estate investing. And until COVID and until the war started, I spent 20 years flying back and forth, commuting to Moscow, where my family is. It's been an interesting journey, let's put it that way. I bet it does. I mean, of course, Russia's in the news a lot these days for a variety of reasons. But one of the things that I you know, learned, even me personally over the years, my eyes were awakened into how big a market real estate was for Russian nationals, real estate in the U.S. was. So I'm imagining someone like you who knew the language and has those connections would have been thriving in that industry. I wasn't in the real estate side of it. I was more of helping European and American businesses get set up there and working with them. And, and, and it was, Oh, interesting. But, you know, my family, we do have, I mean, we, the real estate came from me later once I was established as, as my real estate investing business in, in America. I invested a lot of money in Russian real estate. So 
I don't know if that's necessarily a good decision now, but back in the, in the back in the day, it seemed like it was a good thing. But you know, we have about nine. We have about nine apartments over there. We built uh, two houses in central Russia on the banks of this beautiful, pristine, spring-fed river. That that that's that's my sanctuary. Uh, I would always go there and just spend most of the summer there, and it was it's just wonderful place. But obviously, I haven't been there for three years, so that's that's I don't know when I'll get back. But you know. I, we made the decision I was going to go to Russia and retire eventually, or at least run my business from there as I got more into, you know, internet centered and not be, not having to be on site all the time. Of course, those, those plans are temporarily on hold. Let's put it that way. But uh, yeah, that's, but yes, absolutely hundred percent. And, and yeah, we sold a lot. Of, I, I first watched in short sales. So we sold a lot of short sales to Russian investors over the years in Florida. And for the audience members who don't know what a short sale is, tell them what that is. Well, that's when a homeowner owes more than what the house is worth and they can't sell it with a full payoff. Otherwise, they would have to bring tens of thousands of dollars to the table to make sure the mortgage got paid off. So a short sale is when the mortgage company will allow a buyer like myself to negotiate with them and, you know, get them to allow the property to be sold at an as-is value. Anything on the mortgage that's left over that's not paid will be written off and forgiven by the mortgage company. The mortgage company pays all the closing costs and commissions for the homeowner. The profit is, as-is value is kind of a, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's an under, you know, they think it's higher, I think it's lower, and whoever wins that negotiations battle. But that usually we won, and so we made a lot of money in short sales. But yes, that's, that's what I did. Gotcha. And so what happened during the the pandemic? Tell a little bit about the story of how you moved into a focus on trust and then um, give our audience some information about how they can potentially save on their taxes and improve their financial situation. It's an interesting, interesting situation because it's one of these deals where if you get complacent in life and you don't have a plan B, life tends to kick you in the butt eventually. It does. I had a good run because, you know, when everybody was suffering on the, on the, during the Great Recession, I was making millions. So that was a great time for me. And even when the economy was back and, and the housing market got hot again, I was still doing amazingly well in short sales. And in fact, in February of 2020, before COVID really bit, I got 25 houses in one month in you know, short sale houses. And it was, it was unbelievably good. And I was like, everything's wonderful. And then my main source of leads was the foreclosure filings in the courts all over Florida shut down for almost two years. I was faced with an existential crisis of after 20 years into this business, how do I make money? How do I make money? And, you know, I was able to, luckily I had done really well setting up referral sources and, you know, you still had a pipeline. So for me, COVID, the, the, the consequences of COVID did not bite hard until earlier this year. And, but I saw it coming. I knew it was going to happen. It was just a matter of time. And I had some pretty emotional arguments with my, with my partner who does all the negotiations uh, on the short sale side because she couldn't see it. And I saw it. I said, this train's coming. We're going to get killed if we don't transition, start transitioning to something else now. And, you know, I hate to say it, but she's really struggling. I'm not because she did not see the warning signs. Or she just didn't want to do it. She just said, I'm a real estate person. I don't want to do anything else. I said, well, you better have some food storage. You better have some money in the bank to ride this out because you're not going to make it. I said, I know I can't. I got to get, I have to have income. And so, you know, luckily, you know, it was, it was fortunate that I had something to pivot to, right? And 
that's this trust. It's a non-grantor, irrevocable, complex, discretionary, spin-thrift trust. It has been around for well over a century, not longer than that. When the U.S. tax code was implemented in the 1930s, and this trust was incorporated into the tax code, okay? And so it is, it is affiliated with IRS code 643, and the trust has four major advantages. Uh, number one, because of the spendthrift provision in the trust, any assets that are inside the trust are basically locked inside a titanium vault of asset protection. I mean, I'm not saying you can't be sued. I'm saying that when it gets in front of a judge, the judge will toss it because they don't have any jurisdiction over a, a spendthrift trust. Okay, So from that point, it's the most powerful asset protection vehicle there is in the country. Second of all, when you use this trust as the main vehicle for your business or your personal investing, whatever you choose it for, if you have an asset that provides passive income, when that money comes directly into the trust, it is not considered a taxable event, provided that you keep the money, you allocate the money to the corpus of the trust and you don't disperse to your beneficiaries. Okay. So from a real estate point of view or from a, just a personal finance point of view, you got stocks, you have bonds, you have you may have crypto, you may have forex, any you know rents on on um, uh, rental properties, whatever. That's all passive income that's coming to the trust. So therefore, you're not going to be paying taxes on that. Second of all, if you have a trust asset, let's say you know investment properties, could be crypto, doesn't matter. If it's an asset and you sell it, normally that's a capital gains tax event. Well, if it's a trust asset when you sell it, again it comes into the trust. You allocate to the corpus of the trust. You don't disperse the beneficiaries. That is not considered a taxable event, a capital gains taxable event for the trust. And then finally, the other thing is, is if you have a business and you are earning, you're, you're selling something, you're selling a service, you're making income, it's ordinary income for the most part. You could be a 1099 contractor. You could be a, a commission salesperson, like really successful realtors, mortgage brokers, real estate brokers, whatever. They're getting killed on taxes. Because that's considered ordinary income. If you're above $165,000 a year, that's taxed at 32%. So this trust has an amazing strategy with this. Whereas if you have an LLC that you're running your business through the LLC, then what you want to do is you want to sell your assets, your business's assets into the trust. You also want to make your trust a 90% limited partner in your LLC. So you'd have to refile your articles to the new structure, giving the trust 90%. Well, you would just add the trust as a limited partner. Yeah, 90% limited partner. So then when you have your pre-tax net income at the end of the year, that's where an LLC is going to have its you know day of reckoning with the IRS as far as how much do you owe. If you have a million dollars, that's 32%. That's you know $320,000 that you're going to have to cut a check for. But with this strategy... By adding a lease of those assets that were sold to the trust from the LLC, you're leasing those back to the LLC for money, right? And the IRS will allow up to 70% of a business's pre-tax net income to be used as a lease payment. Oh, interesting. I remember that. So if you, so on that, on the basis of that, of that new expense that we put on there, as much as 700000 of that $1 million of pre-tax and income for your LLC can be moved over to the trust as a uh, lease payment, okay? So now we've just moved $700,000 of taxable income from your LLC over to the trust, which you've reduced that now to, to 300000 And then by making the trust a 
90% limited partner in your LLC, it needs to be paid for that equity position, right? So 90% of the remaining 300000 is going to go over to the trust as a K-1 distribution, which means 270000 goes over to the trust as a K-1 distribution. So now you have modified your pre-tax and income by adding these two additional disbursements, or these two additional expenses, from a million dollars down to $30,000. So most of your income that's left in the LLC, we're going to calculate your taxes is going to be $30,000, not a million, not $300,000. Okay. So meanwhile, the trust has received $970,000, but it's received it as passive income because a, a lease agreement is passive income for the trust. A K-1 distribution is a uh, passive income for the trust as well. And so because, again, it's all these proceeds are allocated to the corpus of the trust. They are not dispersed to the beneficiaries. The trustee, which would be you if you, you know, if, you, if, it's, if it's your business, the trustee of the trust, according to IRS Code 643, you can declare all the passive income that comes into your trust as an extraordinary dividend, and it will not be a taxable event for the trust. So those are just so many nuggets and so uh, amazing. But why aren't more people using it or know about it? They don't know about it. And in fact, the, the biggest thing, for me, it's a challenge and it's also a huge opportunity because you have, remember, who was using this strategy until recently? It was like the, the Rockefellers, the ultra wealthy. I mean, I don't know if you remember this or not, but Warren Buffett was one time quoted as saying that his secretary pays more taxes than he does. Yes, I do remember. <laughs> Why is that? Because she's going to be paid a W-2. You can use the same strategy, right, that we just described. And it was always just assumed that the rich people have these pseudo-secret strategies that only the very rich can uh, afford to do. you got to have these high-powered lawyers pay a million dollars a year to find out these murky loopholes or whatever, when actually it's much more simple than that. Just by this trust and following these strategies, I mean, a heck of a lot more people can can use this than just the ultra-rich. The challenge is that most CPAs, most financial advisors, it's not on their radar. It's still ha- starting to happen. I've noticed in the last three months, I need more and more financial advisors turning to me. They've seen my videos on, on social media. Other Their clients are per, uh, saying, hey, I saw this video, whatever. I'm interested in doing something like this. It's starting to penetrate their consciousness. But not yet. It takes time. Still not there. I predict. I predict in a couple of years, this is going to be the go-to strategy for most people who make, I don't know, four or five hundred thousand dollars or more. I really believe that because it makes sense. And do you think it's mostly for like those like you and me or business owners, or can this still be accomplished with those that are employees in the workforce? You can't. It doesn't work with W two. Okay, so only those who are business owners. But I will tell you that real estate investors, business owners, and 1099 people are by far the ones that are coming to me because they're the ones getting killed on taxes. And, and, and of course, this system works really well. You know, I mean, uh, and again, look, you know, full disclaimer here, I'm not a licensed tax authority. I'm not a legal, a licensed legal person. I'm telling you, this is informational purposes only. I have a trust. I use these strategies. They work. Always, of course, get you know licensed professional advice before you enter into any transaction. Having said that, I've done this journey. I know a law firm that's had this trust for almost fifty years. Creates the, I work with you know the company I'm with. We support it and we promote it and so forth. So I mean, it's not like you know someone has got a printing press behind 
printing press behind the outhouse, you know, printing out trust, you know, I mean, this is a reputable law firm has been around for a long time and it's, it's already been vetted by the IRS. Okay. So, I mean, we, one of the biggest things I like about this is that if someone says, oh, that can't be true. It's like, okay, let me email you what the the IRS document called a private, a trust private uh, ruling letter. And it goes in and shows you how they examine this 643, how that works with the extraordinary dividend that I described. Totally legal. It's just they don't go out and say, "Hey, here's ways you can you can, you can save money." They're not going to do that. But- they don't have commercials on it, right? <laughs> and what happens when the trust passes to the beneficiary? It never passes to the beneficiaries. That's the thing. Okay, so the trust has to be renewed every 21 years. Now, in my family strategy, my wife is a benefit is a beneficiary. My daughter. My son and my grandson. Now, my wife has been designated as a as a trust as a successor trustee because if something happens to me, then she takes the reins. Okay, our daughter is her will be her successor trustee. Okay, and so eventually, I hope I won't be here to see it, but I hope that eventually my grandson will become trustee and will keep going and going and going because all this wealth that we can create and we already have is inside the trust, so we never have to worry about estate taxes or inheritance taxes or having a will anything like that. Everything's done with an operating agreement inside the trust about what who gets what. Remember, this is a thing. People people get caught on this thinking that, okay, well, the beneficiaries have to receive money. They don't, but they receive value because the trust pays for almost all of their expenses as a trust expense. For example, if you have children that are uh, 21 years or younger than 21, anything with education, it's a trust expense. The trust pays for it. Anything having to do with wellness, for anybody, any beneficiaries and trust, you could literally fly to Bora Bora and go to a spa retreat, and that's wellness, and that's a trust expense. Okay, the only thing that the trust can't pay for is what they call food, fashion, and fun. Everything else the trust can pretty much pay for. And then, but here's the brilliance of the strategy: there's no taxable event ever in the strategy because you might say, "I know what you're saying." You're thinking to yourself, "Okay, well, what about food, fashion, and fun? How do I pay for that?" Right. Well, it's, it's simple. You sell your assets when you set the trust up into the trust. And the trust is not paying you money. It's going to give you a note, like an IOU. Okay. When I sold my assets to the trust, I've got like $500,000 note that the, the trust owes me. So if I say, you know what, I need about $30,000 worth of food, fashion, and fun for the next four months, trust cuts me a check. because And then that reduces my demand note from $500,000 down to $470,000. And that's not a taxable event. It's not a taxable event because it's, an, it's like a proceeds from a loan. It's just not, you know, it's, it's a, not an event. So basically, nowhere in the strategy are you having to disperse anybody or pay taxes on it. And it's perfectly legal. Like I said, it's perfectly legal. People just don't know about it. Now, listen, if you want to, let's say you can disperse to someone. It's just if you disperse, it's going to be a 1099. Be a taxable event then, right? Yeah, that's all. No big deal, right? But it significantly lowers what you would pay on taxes. And some people say, well, Don, I don't want to move 97% of my of my business and income because I want to pay myself salary. I want to get loans. I want to have good credit. Fine. Then only do it 70%. And it's your personal choice on what you do. Yeah, but I'm just saying you can go that far if you want. For me personally, I made that choice because if you look at my tax, my personal tax return, I could easily qualify for uh, food stamps. I don't need credit. You know, um, we already have our real estate. I'm not, I only buy things for cash. So, you know, and who can, I mean, 
you know how attorneys are. If, it, if, there's, any, if there's any kind of issues, if for whatever happens, they're going to look at my, you know, do I have any assets to go after? No, I don't have anything. My position as trustee for the trust is I, they can't come after me for anything as trustee. They can't get to the assets in the trust. So they know where to go. Exactly. The beneficiaries are all protected inside the halo of the trust. So it's, it's absolutely one of the most brilliant strategies I've ever heard of. But I tell you what, I mean, getting back to our, the theme of, of your podcast here is I know that you asked me before about what leadership tactic was something that, that I, I like. Resonated with you. Yes. Great courageous agility. And I tell you why. And I'm going to, you know, and, and listen, I'm throwing my partner under the bus here. I apologize. <laughs> we love you, partner, but this is for learning purposes. <laughs> it's a teaching moment, right? If you don't have confidence in yourself and your judgment and and that so many people doubt themselves. But I have learned over the years that just to show you, I mean, when I was in Russia and the last project I had, it died a natural death. And I knew at that time that there was no more money in Russia for me. The, the Russians, Putin was in power. They're pushing all the expats out, trying to make it, make it get the Russians in and everything. I knew, I, I told my wife, I said, I can't make it here anymore. We're not going to make any money here. You know, and so... I left him, you know, in uh, in, in Russia with her parents, and I went back and and I, I said I was I'm going to do real estate because I knew that that because my mom's voice was in my head, right? And I didn't want to work for anybody anymore. I was sick of it. So everything that happened from the time that we made the decision for me to leave Moscow and go back to, and go to Orlando and just basically start from scratch. And one of the arguments my wife and I and my mother in law had because you know you're going you're going to fight with your wife, you're going to fight with your mother in law too, right? They were all saying that the things I did were failures because it took me two years minimum to get my first closing. Okay. And I tried different things and they didn't work. Here's the most important lesson I learned. And it gave me unshakable faith in myself, in my, in the path I was on is when you, when you turn around and you look at the path that you went from the time you made the decision until now, every single failure was crucial to get me to where I landed. If I had not gone through that, I wouldn't have landed where I was, okay? So I had that unshakable faith in me when I had to make a decision, when my gut was telling me I need to diversify now and start working now, or I'm going to, by the end of the year, it's, it's just scary how that worked. I knew that I had to pivot now, and so I did. And so I did stuff that I had never done before. I became a social media guy. I mean, believe it or not, I'm a horse on TikTok, you know, I mean, YouTube, I'm out there on YouTube and I'm, I did stuff that I did not know how to do. I'm sure I don't do it correctly, but it doesn't matter. I'm putting content out. You just got to get going there. It didn't have to be perfect. Exactly. Imperfect action is the way to go. So I followed my gut and I committed to it and it was just no way I was not going to do it. And so, and, and she didn't. And the pipeline eventually ran out. We had our last closing in our short sale pipeline in at the end of August. She hasn't, she has not had a closing since. And you know, this is an, another important lesson in listeners, especially those of you who, you know, own your own businesses and there are quite a few of you out there. You still have to be a very strong leader of your business and you have to understand your industry, see where the trends are going, connect those dots and try your best to have, like you said, plan B, C and D to try something new to pivot for longevity. Um, otherwise, it'll be like your partner, you know, and you get caught 
a little bit too late and find yourselves, you know, without any revenue coming in. That's right. And it's it's sad. And I'm thrown to the bus. I mean, I'm helping her. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> she's working with me now on the trust. It's just she's six months late, you know, and she's where I was at six months ago. And that's she's going to have some lean time still until she can start generating a, a revenue. And the revenue will come and it will be great for her. But she's got six more months minimum before she hits that point. Right. But she's got to stay consistent and do what you did and get her name out there in that area. I don't want to leave out of here without you giving more information about your advisory service and if people want to talk to you more about setting up trusts. So what kind of services do you provide? Well, I give free strategy sessions for anybody who wants one. Uh, just have to reach out to me and we'll talk about what your situation is and I can go through and show you how by this trust will help you legally reduce your taxes, give you the asset protection you need and so forth. You know, people ask me, well, how much does it cost? I said, honestly, it depends on what your situation is. I mean, because there's a basic trust and you might have other things that have to work with the more sophisticated your business is. However, there's always a solution because this is the, I mean, if the ultra, ultra rich use it, I mean, surely, you know, that, that you can, we can find something that work for you. And I do apologize for calling you Shirley. So listen, I have no pretension. I'm not a pretentious person. I don't care if you have my phone number. I'll give you my phone number. It's 407-902-7827. Text me. Text me and we can set up a time. I mean, literally, I've had that same number. People in foreclosure call me. People for the trust call me and text me. It's fine. You know, it's that's what it's there for. I, I'm, not hiding, I'm not hiding from creditors or whatever, you know. So reach out to me. Send me a text and we can definitely talk. It will blow you away if you are open to something that is not where the herd is. The herd goes one way, you you know, the real opportunity goes this way. And so, you know, in my job, my responsibility to you is to show you that this is, it is absolutely legal and what the advantages are and why. And then at that point in time, you have a, you have a choice. You can go left, you can go right, and there's no wrong choice per se. A lot of people do really well and they pay lots of taxes and they're good with that. This is another way. It's more profitable for you because, listen, at the, ultimate, at the end of the day, it's not what you make. It's what you keep. That's right. And if you look at your business as a bucket and you're pouring income into it, the leaks are mostly in taxes. And for a lot of people lately, it's health insurance. Yes, you're so right. And so I can show you not only how you can lower your taxes to amazingly low numbers, but also how you can save as much as 70% on your insurance if you have a business owner. So. Lots of plugging of leaks that I can show you. <laughs> I love the plugging of leaks. And um, I would be remiss if my didn't follow my legal team's recommendation. I must say I'm not a tax expert um, myself. We don't, neither Don nor I guarantee anything, but it is an avenue, a legal avenue that you can pursue and factor into your full financial picture. So we will have uh, information about Don and how to reach him definitely in the show notes as well. And so, Don, I can't let you leave here without our final segment, which is called uh, Full Disclosure. Uh, we will not <laughs> put you on the spot, but I just wanted you to share just a few uh, fun facts about yourself. And so my first question for you is, how do you like to decompress uh, when you're not making your millions? <laughs> For me, it used to be tennis. And unfortunately, as I've gotten older, I played sports my entire life. I you know, was a full ride scholarship for baseball. I played football. All, I, I mean, my arm is a noodle. 
from all the tennis I used to play, so play tournaments in Russia. I'd play for I'd play for money, which was fun. Really? Imagine putting down a thousand dollars as an entry fee, and the winner gets seventy percent. And you're over in Russia as an American playing about how that was like. That was fun. But anyway, I played so much that I, I can't. My my body's shot as far as that stuff goes. So I pivoted to travel. Travel is travel is where I decompress. In fact. You know, I'm, I'm planning a trip right now to go to Ireland. I mean, I've been all over Europe. I speak Finnish. I speak Russian. I speak German. You know, I love to go to Europe. And that's really where, how I decompress. Love that. Love that. I, I think you and I have that in common. I kind of call myself a citizen of the world, although, you know, based in Atlanta, but we have traveled to probably over 30 something countries and just love, you know, <laughs> you, you got me beat, I believe, but... <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, well, let me go ask you this. What is something that people sometimes get wrong about you if they don't know you well? They don't know me very well. First of all, I have a very dry sense of humor that sometimes people take me seriously. when I, I'm a, I was a big Monty Python fan growing up. And so the British humor just speaks to me. And so one of my favorite things is to start out saying something completely uh, natural and logical and then slow get more and more absurd. And so they, they tend to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because You're not about, serious. Wait. <laughs> You're so serious. So what's what makes it fun, you know? But yeah, they, they tend to think they, didn't, they don't get my humor very often sometimes. And so my wife is constantly saying, don't say, don't, don't say jokes. Don't tell jokes. And I said, Linda, I, I can't. I'm, I'm not in control of it. It just sometimes comes out. Another reason why. I should be my own boss and not work for someone because I get myself in trouble sometimes. <laughs> well, sometimes it's good trouble, as uh, John Lewis likes to say. You have a lot of fun with the trouble. <laughs> uh, all right, Don, I literally blinked and time has passed uh, so quickly, but there were a ton of nuggets of information for our listeners. I thank you once again for your gift of time and thank you for being on the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. Thank you for having me. This has been a blast. Awesome. And listeners, we look forward to uh, having you again join our next episode. So make sure you subscribe, like, and share with friends so that we can all have a great discussion on the next topic of the conversation. And we'll check you out next episode. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Don Thornton, CEO of HB Funding Incorporated. Links to his bio, his entry into our leadership playbook, and additional resources can be found in the show notes on your favorite podcast platform of choice or at leadyourgamepodcast.com. And now for Karen's take on today's topic of spendthrift trusts. Well, first of all, I just want to make sure I direct you all to IRS code 643. If you look in your search engines and go to that, that will give all the real details and updates um, based on the current tax code. But I wanted to remind you that one of the main objectives of estate planning is the protection and preservation of your legacy. By placing mechanisms in place in order to keep your property and assets intact, you're making sure that you can pass on as much as your assets as you can to your loved ones. Just know that trusts serve as a powerful tool that can protect your loved ones from the temptation of spending 
too much, you know, after you unfortunately pass away. And it also helps them to avoid poor financial decisions. Now, I must reiterate this disclaimer that I am not a financial planner of any kind. And you should always consult your own personal CPA, tax accountant, and lawyer before making any big financial decisions. However, I do recommend that you learn more about this tax shelter and just know that some of the common benefits of trusts can be, number one, protecting your estate from negligent spending habits. Also, number two, they can help distribute assets incrementally instead of all at once to those who you are being the benefactor to. Third, trust can help protect assets from your beneficiary's creditors. And then fourth, trust can bypass probate altogether if they're established during your lifetime. And just remember that a spendthrift trust can be irrevocable or revocable. A revocable trust can be modified, whereas an irrevocable trust cannot. And although some grantors might prefer the flexibility of a revocable trust, irrevocable trusts offer more protection against taxes and probate. And spendthrift trusts can you know, be managed by a trustee. The grantor can appoint themselves as a trustee you know, if they establish the trust during their lifetime, but they also must make sure that they appoint a trustee to take over upon their passing. So I will include a few additional resources in the show notes to jumpstart your research, but I encourage you to start with your professional advisors to get all the details before you make such an important decision. And if you like a beneficiary, you know what? You can always consider me. Just kidding. Just kidding. But anyway, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Take care. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we help you lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. You can check out the show notes, additional episodes, bonus resources, and also submit guest recommendations on our website at leadyourgamepodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for the name Karen Rhodes with Karen being spelled K-A-R-A-N. And if you like the show, the greatest gift you can give would be to subscribe and leave a rating on your podcast platform of choice. This podcast has been a production of Shockingly Different Leadership, a global consultancy which helps organizations execute their people, talent development, and organizational effectiveness initiatives on an on-demand project or contract basis. Huge thanks to our production and editing team for a job well done. Goodbye for now.